Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast as the New York Knicks win in Denver for the first time since 2006 and move to 2-0 on the road trip of death. Yeah, their losing streak in Denver was almost a legal adult, but didn't quite make it there. Uh, Julius Randle played a big part in it, 34 points for the Knicks. We'll talk about him. We'll talk about the Knicks' late-game heroics in general, some great defense down the stretch by them. Talk about R.J. Barrett's struggles. He's apparently under the weather still. Did not look super great in this game and just some other news and notes on players coming up next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. We want to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today. And every day we are now available on all platforms. And that includes on YouTube. So if you want to go get your daily Knicks news and video form, you know where to go. Throw us a comment, throw us a like, all that helps a ton. And who's talking to you? I'm Gavin Shaw, a play-by-play broadcaster. He is Alex Wolf, the editor-in-chief of the Strickland, the greatest Knicks website in the whole wide world. You can check out all their work on all social media at the strick.land. But Alex, it is time for celebration in Denver. Uh, first win since 2006. They talked about it during the broadcast. Let me see if I get it right by memory. The, the starting lineup in that game was Stefan Marbury, Jamal Crawford, who had something like 34 points. I think it was Quentin Richardson, Channing Fry, Eddie Curry, uh, Ronaldo Balkman, David Lee, Nate Robinson, Kelvin Cato coming off the bench in that one. Jamal Murray doing his best Bones Highland impression, hitting a crazy deep three. To end it, uh, uh, I thought, when I saw it too, I was like, wow, that's a fun lineup. Um, I guess Marbury was a little past his prime. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, we're here to talk about Julius Randle, who, who's, who's just spectacular in this one. Yeah, I thought I thought it was kind of funny too, thinking about that. Think about how ancient history, like first off, it was mellow in a Nuggets uniform. And it wasn't even that far into his Nuggets tenure yet. No. And then on top of that, like mellow hadn't even sucker punched Marty Collins yet by then. Yeah. So, they were they were still great friends at that point. It was still a very young, uh, a young time for Carmelo Anthony. Just insane to think about that. Literally sixteen years between Knicks wins in a yeah, particular and uh, and I love J.R. Smith holding his head like after the miss. I was like, yeah. buddy, m- much worse things are going to happen to you in the final seconds in your career. <laughs> yeah, there's there's going to be a much more iconic one of those later. Don't worry, this one will get scrubbed off the record. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But man, what a what a little hit of nostalgia that was. But also what a hit of nostalgia it was to see this version of Julius Randle, as you alluded to. Randle ends with 34 points, 11 boards, 4 assists, 4 steals. All well-earned. Those were not fluky steals. He played some fantastic defense in this game. Shot 11-21 overall. Only blemish, I guess, is shot 3-10 from 3 and 9-13 of 13 from the free throw line. But man, uh, so we're going to get to it in a minute. But like Randall said after the game that he's feeling under the weather. He sounded pretty hoarse. Apparently this was like his flu game, uh, you know, his version of it in the mile high, mile high flu game, whatever you want to call it. Uh, RJ Barrett 
really didn't do well for the second straight game, and he's apparently maybe he's patient zero. I don't know. Like he he's apparently been feeling under the weather for a few days now. I, I my only logical conclusion is that Julius Randle just has to stay sick all the time, and RJ has to be in a bubble between games. That's my only. And they, and they can't have any physical contact with one another. No chest bumps, no high fives, nothing. That's just how it's going to have to be going forward. But uh, Randall was phenomenal. I, you know, I'll keep it somewhat brief and then throw it to you, Gavin. But, like, the, I think the play of the game for me from Randall was the one that I think also made the MSG play of the game, which was, I mean, he was just smothering whoever it was he was covering all night and staying up on them, you know, in a smart way working on trying to generate steals. And I believe it was Jeff green that he was on in this one at a pretty pivotal juncture where the Knicks were trying to like push the lead out a little bit, uh, you know, down the stretch there after they had managed to come back and, and reclaim the lead and Randall just like smothered Jeff green, got the steal uh, on what could have been a switch, but like he sort of just threw like a very fast double with Brunson and managed to generate that then gives it to Brunson for, we should probably enjoy this one. Maybe his only dunk we'll see all year. Like that doesn't seem like something that Brunson brings out too often Uh transition dunk for Jalen Brunson, just a fantastic moment for both of them, but mostly for Randall who, I mean, far and away best Knicks player in this game, best player on the floor in this game, in my opinion. And it just kind of makes you yearn for like, why can't we see this every night? I mean, this is just fantastic from him today. Yeah, I mean, I think Denver was a team that was susceptible to his physicality um, because I, I don't I think that that's kind of the weakness of that group. Like there there just isn't a ton of toughness there, especially um, in the front court, especially with no Nikola Jokic. Um, and yet a lot of times with Randall, I think we see fake tough guy stuff and fake hustle stuff where you get it for a play or a minute. But the second things don't go his way, he kind of falls apart and and that element of his game disappears and he starts chucking jumpers and he starts being lazy on defense again tonight. Like he, he, there was no fragility at all. Like he, he brought it from the opening second and it, it was a combination of toughness and hustle that, I mean, to, to your point, uh, I think it was, I can't remember it was during the show pre-show, but it reminded us of like that 20, 21 year um, because he, he was killing people. Like, like whenever he got switches, he, he was just, like, he brutalized KCP in, in what should have been an one, but he missed the free throw on a fourth quarter back down. And, and then defensively, I mean, multiple possessions where he did great work on Jamal Murray beyond just the steals, um, like got him on a switch one time, forced a really tough fadeaway, um, had another time where Murray drove right into him at the rim, just flashed some great verticality. And, and this was a game, I mean, beyond just like, like some of the post-ups that he had and some of the shot making that he had, I think, similar to the first couple of games of the year really flashed just the, tr- the work he did on his conditioning, his athleticism over the summer. I mean, so just some absolutely sick finishes on layups, like had one in the first half where he pumped, got by his guy, went to the rim. And, and again, and that's why you got to be watching on YouTube, did one of these like the up and under one handed lefty scoop. But then he replicated that move on a putback of an, an Emmanuel quickly uh, miss. And, and to me, that was that's like a top five play I've ever seen from Julius Randle. It was just absurd athleticism, catching it in one air, catching with one hand in the air, excuse me, and having time to go up and under with it while still floating. Like, like he is just, he, he is at a completely different level shape-wise. And, and we we haven't gotten to see it a whole ton because he, he hasn't hustled a lot. And there were, there were still a few moments this game that I would take back. But man, oh man, if, if he was sick, playing in altitude, fighting through it, uh, very few complaints. He, he was He was fantastic in this game. 
Yeah, I, I thought so too. And and really the whole team was great down the stretch. Like we got to give a shot and I'm sure we'll talk about them more in a minute, but like Emmanuel quickly, Jericho Sims, both come up with huge defensive plays down the stretch, like quickly just straight out denied Jamal Murray on the final shot. And I mean, Jamal Murray like lives for those moments, like to tie a game or win a game or whatever, mm -hmm. and could have tied this one on that final possession and quickly was just like, Nope, <laughs> like I am the best perimeter defender on the Knicks right now. And I'm going to unequivocally state that right now with how I'm going to just completely obliterate you on defense right now. And he did, you know, like Murray thought he had something with the one-on-one -on -one there and it just didn't turn into anything because quickly was just like, I know you're not going to go inside. So I'm just going to stick to you on the, the three point line here and you're not going to get shot. You want, and you're just going to have to live with that. Fantastic ending for him. Brunson, I don't I don't know what more there is to say. Like I he's just such a great stabilizing presence. Like he when Randall was not coming through, you know, like there was kind of a rough stretch in the third quarter. Like Brunson, as usual, just kind of casually buoyed the Knicks for a bit there and you know, helped them stay where they needed to be to then make that comeback later. And then of course he was part of some of those big plays down the stretch, like that one I mentioned with Randall. Um, he's just such a great stabilizing presence. Like it's games like this where you look at the results that this team could put together when they're at their best. And you think to yourself, like, especially on a night when RJ Barrett, like truly did not have it. Like he was beyond not having it. He was just awful in this game. Like you look at the talent level on this team and you go, how the heck does that game against the thunder or any game similar to that ever happen with a group this talented? Because they flashed it today. Like this is this can be at their best a very good team. Yeah, um, I, I I'll, I'll stop it. Good, but I, th I think they can be a good to to like slightly above five hundred record because there's just so much depth here. Like there there aren't a lot of weak spots. I mean, tonight RJ Barrett was a glaring one, but when everyone's when, when things are clicking and and the right guys are on the court and the rotation's a little shortened, uh, meaning there's no Evan Fournier, there's there's good things to be had. Um, and I want to I want to continue the discussion on Emmanuel Quigley's defense because I thought and, and Cam Reddish's defense because man, they make such a difference. Uh, but first, uh, if you if you've had to watch pretty much everyone else on the Knicks play defense this year, you might be in the it might be in the market for a good therapist. I I, I know I usually am. Um, so I will I will tell you a place to go find him is this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Unfortunately, life doesn't come with the user manuals. So when it's not working for you, it's normal to feel stuck. Navigating any of life's challenges can make you feel unsure, whether it's a career change, a new relationship or becoming a parent. Therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and learn productive coping skills, which makes therapy the closest thing to a guided tour of the complex engine called you. BetterHelp has connected over 3 million people with licensed therapists. It's convenient and accessible anywhere, 100% online. Uh, I, I know I've been doing therapy the vast majority of my life, um, and, and especially the last few years, more more consistently than I ever have. And it's, it's helped me navigate some extremely tough things and uh, made a substantial difference in the person I am today. So as the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Plus, it's affordable. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire with a therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It couldn't be simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searches for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash MBA. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash MBA.
And with that, we are back on Locked On Knicks. And we wanted to remind you, um, now that you've made Locked On Knicks your first listen today, for your second listen today, you should check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights. Only Locked On can provide Locked On Sports today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Uh, let's 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 talk the Knicks defense, Alex. I know, I know we're going to spend this segment on RJ Barrett, but I I, I will pull a, a, a trick from your book and and keep it positive for just a little bit longer because I I think those three the last two games getting consistent minutes on the court together. Um, and remember going into the last two games, I, IQ and Reddish at the very least had only played four minutes together all season. Um, the, I I think it's completely changed who the Knicks are as a basketball team. And as much as I, I want them to go small and I want them to get more Obi Toppin out there, I, I I think good things just just tend to happen when Jericho Sims is on the court. So I guess we can start with him. I mean, tonight in, in 19 minutes, he was he was minus two, but I don't think that was indicative of the impact he had in this game. Finished with three steals and two blocks. Tibbs just brought him into the game cold for Obi Toppin after uh, I think I guess it was Brunson getting to the foul line in the final minute to give the Knicks uh, their, their ultimate advantages, or maybe it was when Randall was at the line with, with like 50 seconds left. Uh, but either way, he, he just, he locked up uh, one of the best isolation players on planet earth and Jamal Murray. And I know, I know maybe Murray isn't totally, totally back. He looked really good to me tonight for the most part. And, and, and Sims just, just put him in jail. And, and Murray did like a classic thing that you would do on a young big where, where he stopped and he's like, all right, you caught me. I guess I got to shoot and did a pump fake. Most centers would foul him. Sims stayed on his feet. Great defense. And then just the the create event creation um, for Sims. I mean, he came into the game in the first quarter and immediately got a turnover in a two-on-one where he just kind of just jumped in the air and stuck his arms at it. It reminded me of, of peak Mitchell Robinson. Um, for Emmanuel, quickly, I mean, this was another game where beyond just that last play on um, Jamal Murray, like he got poke away after poke away after poke away in this one. Um, and it was, he, he was just like quick hands galore and is just so savvy and good things just seem to happen whenever he's involved in the play. I, I thought this was a great stat from uh, Jake Brown on Twitter. He noted that IQ is in the 90th percentile for guards and points allowed per hundred possessions played 94th percentile for steal rate. And in the way he phrased it, a stunning 99th percentile for opponent effective field goal percentage. And that, I mean, especially these last few games, has really played out in the eye test. Alex, I'll, I'll leave it to you to talk about Reddish. But um, he he just adds so much to this Knicks starting lineup because they were starved for someone who could make plays defensively and neuter possessions before they could get bad. And I, I think just Reddish is bringing that in abundance. Yeah, I mean, Reddish is starting to also become one of those guys where you're like, what else is there even left to say about the dude at this point? Like he's, he's become outside of, I guess I would say quickly the most consistent defender on the Knicks right now, which I think is just insanity. Like to think about where we were a few weeks ago or like a month ago, I guess now to where we are now with Reddish and the discourse with him and, and just what he's been able to do on the court. Like, something is clearly just clicked with him because it's all, it's all really coming together where he's, he has fully realized his role on defense and what he could do. Well, he is beginning, or I would say maybe even is, is already there 
as far as fully realizing his role on offense and realizing that he doesn't have to go out there and live up to, you know, pre-college hype and become the next Paul George or whatever anymore. Like he could just go out there and be like a really, really good basketball player that shoots threes and can get inside with like, I mean, he had, he had this one, uh, this one make today where he got it in the corner and instead of taking a lightly contested uh, three from the corner, he just like put it on the floor, drove baseline and like in two giant steps made it all the way to the rim from the corner. That's just, that's stuff you can't teach. I mean, that's just stuff that the kid can do because he's super long. You know, he's like six foot seven or whatever, six, nine, whatever his, his listed height is with like the seven foot plus wingspan. Like, and he's, I would need like individual like tailoring measurements, but he's very like leg heavy. Like he definitely takes very large strides when he's on the basketball court and it shows like that's, that's part of where his greatest athleticism comes from. I think is just like the fact that he has that really great first step. He's developing a really great like head fake and like hezzy type move around the, you know, the outside to where then he can just like all of a sudden turn on the jets, take that huge first step. And already he's by his defender and then he gets in there and he's so good at those like crazy up and under double clutch, whatever, like reverse layups that, you know, it's those were frustratingly being off all the time where you were like, man, he's got the athleticism to get there. And, you know, the, the skill is to like make a play like that, but just can't finish it. Now they're starting to go in and now you're like, I mean, what's, what's the limit with this kid at this point? And defensively, like I said, I mean, there's he does it in so many different ways. Like even in this game, he had like a lot of times he's usually playing passing lanes, but in this one, it was like two strip steals where he just like yeah. there was a uh, I forget who the driver was, but someone was driving in on him, and he just kind of reached in, snatched that, and got out on the break with it. And then another one, I think it was KCP on the perimeter, uh, was you know trying to do his thing out there and reddish was just like long arm like i'll take that <laughs> like yeah. bye and just got out i mean it's just it, he's so good i'm so happy to have him in the lineup all the time like he's just really crushing it right now yeah i'm I, i'm i'm with you i mean i i just i i think another one of his really good qualities like this this was the first basket of his that i noted i mean i mentioned the other night in crunch time he had that great cut when when brunson was stuck at the elbow and double teamed and reddish was the one guy who just had the savviness to bail him out i mean tonight it was randall was double teamed and reddish just cut off it and then just made this really tough fadeaway banker and it was one of the few situations where you're like okay i actually want you taking a tough shot because the shot clock was dwindling and the knicks weren't getting anything and it it helped that he could make a tough shot um i thought his defense on michael porter jr was really impressive i mean mpj who like I mean we we've seen it from him like he, he can when he, when he gets going can be one of the best scorers on planet Earth. He was one for eight in this game, and a lot of that was Cam just like playing up on him and being long and ensuring that he never got into rhythm. I mean I, I think the the most like I, I could go over more plays, but the most distinct way I can sum it up is like he went from being the least reliable Nick and and kind of the guy was like all right you never know what you're gonna get to, from him from night to night like oh he just took four more stupid shots that sucks. To, to being the most reliable one. And, that, and that's that's a little unfair because, as I've said a bunch of times, I think last year his process was mostly good. But at the very least, that was the perception of him coming into this season. And honestly, like at points this preseason, as you said, like it was confirmed. And now it's like, that's the one guy I don't have to worry about every night. Like I, I know he's going to play great defense. 
I know he's going to have a couple nice drives to the rim. Yes, some nights he'll he'll be hitting threes too and look like a star. Some nights he won't, and he'll just he'll just kind of blend in on offense. But he's he, he doesn't take anything off the table, and he's he's extremely additive. So um, yeah, he's he, he's great. Um, let, let's let let's come back on uh, R.J. Barrett because we gotta we gotta unfortunately get to that a uh, little bit of a downer. But Alex, you know the guys were were probably breathing heavy tonight. And it was funny, Wally Serviak during the game noted that everyone's hands were dry and they had to keep blowing into them to, to get enough moisture. But, but some people have the exact opposite problem. And wh- what's the one product out there that those people should use? Well, that is, of course, Sweat Block, which is one of my favorite products. I've been saying this ever since we got Sweat Block back. I'm like, I'm so happy to have this as a sponsor again because it is easily one of my favorite ones that we've ever had because it has immensely helped me in my personal life as an extremely sweaty, sweaty man. Uh, The last uh, few weeks prior to this week when it finally cooled off again was like my nightmare uh, where it was unseasonably hot. Nowhere had their air conditioning on because everyone expected it to be like 50. uh, And, you know, all these businesses or whatever don't want to turn their AC back on. I was out like at a, a cidery with some friends for a friend's birthday and like we were inside and I found myself like almost sweating in there, even sweating a little bit. And I'm like, Ugh, this is just always embarrassing. You always, if you're like me, you're always got to like plan what color shirt you're going to wear around. Like if you think you're going to be sweating a bunch or whatever, I bought a bunch of like nice, like dry fit shirts because like I literally like need to wear that all the time. So yeah, uh, luckily though, I have sweat block in my life. And when I wear sweat block, those problems go away, which is crazy because that's never been the case in my entire life. I've been sweating my entire life. Sweat block wipes were invented by a doctor and they're guaranteed to work or you don't pay. They call it sweat blocks dry shirt guarantee. If sweat block doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. And it's really just as simple as you put the sweat block on your affected area, like say your armpits at night, you sleep on it. You wake up in the morning and you take your morning shower and wash it off and then you're sweat free for a week. It's really pretty crazy. So if you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, try sweat block risk free today. Save 20% with promo code locked on at sweatblock.com. And it's also available on Amazon. All right. And we're back to continue talking about this big Knicks win here. In Denver, first one again since 2006. I can't say that enough times where it doesn't seem ridiculous that the Knicks have not won a road game at a particular place in 16 years. That's like literally half my life. It's disgusting. Um, (laughs) But (laughs) I was in high school when that happened. It's just crazy. Um, Anyway, so yeah, we got to talk about RJ Barrett, unfortunately. Uh, So, all right. I'm going to take this a slightly different direction with RJ because I don't fully blame him for this. And so like we were talking about this in our Strickland discord channel and there was like this whole debate that erupted during the game. It was like, is it RJ's fault that he's out there right now? Or is it Tibbs's fault? And my inclination, as much as I give Tibbs credit for some of the good things he's done these last couple of games, obviously been reading the papers and knows that he's back on the hot seat again. And he's been like, Oh, well, let me try. No, 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 no. He's, he's, he's been listening to the pods. He hasn't been no, no old media for Tom Thibodeau. He's, he is, he's this, he is Nick's film school. He is KF 
He is um, uh, all, all the other ones. Just in his KFTV. Team. Yeah, he's KFTV. definitely checking that yeah. out. He's he's waiting for his favorite callers to call in on KFTV. But yeah. like, uh, my, so for all the good that he did, this is the thing that I think he really screwed up in this game. Is that I think athletes by nature, because of just the nature of sports. I mean, if you want to talk about like it. it almost borders on like toxic masculinity, you know, but like the, the idea of like, if you're able to walk and like get around, okay. Something like a sickness should not keep you off the court. And people are taught that from a young age, like just gut it out, just get on the court, like figure it out. Like if you, if you can get out there and you can run, you can play. And I feel like that was RJ's mentality going into this game. And I don't, totally blame him for that and i also don't expect that rj or any athlete would ever like if they just have like a flu or a cold ever go up to their coach and be like coach i gotta come out because especially with a coach like tibbs i feel like that doesn't reflect well on you like that's definitely gonna come back to bite you at some point because he's an old school coach that definitely isn't gonna be like okay you do what's best for you he's gonna be like get your butt back out there, Barrett, you know, like you're walking, you know, you can, you can figure this out, like just tough it out. And that's sort of where the problem was for me in this game. I don't understand how Tibbs can put Grimes out there. Who's been struggling with an injury, but once he got on the floor, I mean, he looked rusty, but he didn't look physically hampered. I didn't see him like wincing on his foot or, you know, looking like he was gingerly getting around. But he was rusty, and Tibbs recognized that and took him out after like five, six, seven minutes these last few games. Or not not the last two, but the, the few games prior to that. I don't understand how he throws RJ out there, and RJ's like 0 of 10, obviously under the weather, obviously has a flu or something, and says like, this is totally fine. Let me let me play this kid like 16 minutes in the first half. And like, what, what was his total minutes total? I didn't even look. His oh, total minutes. With the 31. 31. All right. So he scaled it back a little bit in the second half, but like that really hurt the Knicks in the first half playing him that many minutes. Like he was yeah. much. I hate to say he was a huge negative in this game. It, it, like he played the same amount as Jalen Brunson. Just, just let yeah. that sink in. It, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. I mean, to me, that's on Tibbs. So like we almost went this whole episode without having something that's on Tibbs in this game. And I thought that all in all, he coached a pretty decent game in this one, but that to me, like, I'm just like, can't you just like coach a completely great game for once? Like, how are you going to leave this kid out there? Like knowing that he'll never pull himself and just like assume that he's going to just magically like get better in the middle of a game when you know that he's sick and you can see that he literally like can barely jump off the ground right now. I just, I don't get it. I I, I didn't like that. that. That annoyed me. And RJ as a result had just a horrendous game in this one. Yeah, it was it was it was malpractice. I mean, I, I think look, like the logic was just that he he doesn't feel like he has anyone else at that spot because he's I, I guess For, Fournier is fully banished. Uh, Grimes, I will I will reiterate um, because I, I saw I saw some people tweeting like why isn't Grimes just out there? Like I I think we're both on the same page. Like he, he's definitely not healthy. Like whatever is going on is, is not resolved. Then you have Sri Mackay Luke. Um, and, and I guess you, you could have played Reddish more, but Reddish played 37 minutes. So I think, I think that was Tibbs's logic is like, look, dude, like I, like, like if we have to go to a, a, a quickly Brunson Reddish lineup, like that's just going to be too small. But I, I guess ultimately like that was probably the answer, right? Like, like this was the game to give quickly 
40 minutes. And I think quickly would have been fine with it. If you had to play Derek Rose 22, like, like just w- whatever you had to do to like prop that up because RJ, like it would have been one thing if you were like, all right, he's really moving well defensively and he's still able to contribute on that end. But he, Jamal Murray was, was like lighting him up in the first half. Like, like Murray got going because he, he saw RJ was like, didn't have the speed or, or just the, the conditioning to play up on him. And he was just put three after three after three in his eye. And that, that's where the Knicks really got in trouble in the first half. And then the offense was like, it was, it wasn't fair to RJ to play him like that because this, I think is just whatever confidence he's built up, this is going to destroy it. I mean, and Wally to his credit was, was nailing it. Like, he wasn't just missing threes. They were they were to the side. They were too far. They were too short. Like like it wasn't. There were there were very few in and outs. Like it, it's it's clear that he was he was operating at about forty percent in this one. Um, I will I will wrap up my end of the podcast, Alex. Actually, just to to cancel this out a little bit with complimenting Tom Thibodeau because I I thought he drew up a great set uh, right as the subs came into the game. Um, it ended with with a lob to quickly, but the setup was really good. So it was Rose basically on the right side, he swings it over to quickly on the left side. And then he goes and screens for RJ Barrett. And what the Knicks have been running a lot lately is a guard screening for RJ or big screening for RJ. And then RJ cuts across the foul line, gets it as he's cutting across the foul line and then ducks into the rim. That, that has been their, their go-to pet play to get RJ the ball on the move going towards the basket. And this setup was, was essentially identical to that. Um, so RJ starts making that cut. Uh, two defenders stick with him, but instead of actually completing that cut, he just sets a back screen on Sims man and Sims sneaks behind Emmanuel quickly. One of the best lob throwers in basketball launches one from 30 feet out, hits Sims in the air dunk. So I, I thought that was, that was gorgeous. That, that was a beautiful set play. And it, it continues a trend this year for, again, we, I, I still think the guy should get fired for, for a million reasons that we've already outlined, but I, I, I think Tibbs is as flat or maybe just his assistants and he's listening to them have flashed more creativity offensively this year. And that was a good example of it. Yeah. I mean, credit where it's due. Like I said, I actually, th- I thought that Tibbs coached a pretty good game in this one. And I mean, yeah. look, it definitely helps like that. The other team didn't have Jokic, <laughs> who's <laughs> obviously a two-time reigning MVP, like yep. fantastic freaking player like maybe the best player on the planet right now definitely i would say almost without a doubt the best offensive player on the planet right now mm-hmm. so you get the night off as far as having to deal with him uh but yeah they have shown some more offensive creativity and i think that i think that was on display pretty well in this one like they've definitely been utilizing back cuts more i think and sims you know like you said like he's one of the main guys that that's been happening with like he's been almost playing like the earlier career Mitchell Robinson role where like teams still don't didn't quite know what to do with him yet. And so like, he's just kind of hanging out baseline and then his man will go up to try to get up to Brunson or quickly or whomever gets in there. And then they'll just be like, Oh, there you go. (laughs) Sims just take it from wherever. I know I could throw it anywhere within about eight feet of the hoop and you'll grab it and throw it in there. Um, Which brings me to my, uh, I guess my last point here. Uh, I'm like, I'm enjoying watching Jericho Sims like grow up before our eyes again. Um, after having like his first few games that he came in this year, and especially like that first start, and you know a couple games around that general vicinity, I was like, eh, like eh, I don't know. It seems like he's still pretty green. Like maybe he's regressed a little bit. Like a better competition. You know now he's playing against starters and stuff. Like this is looking pretty rough. I wouldn't be surprised if he maybe 
supplants uh, Hartenstein in the the starting lineup again soon, uh, at least while Mitch is still out. Because like he's been looking great. I mean, I love everything he's doing. He's he's being switchable on defense. He's rebounding like a madman. He even now is getting like blocks and steals, which previously he was kind of just like okay at putting himself between someone in the hoop, but now is actually like creating those events uh, on defense. And yeah, I just, I love everything we're seeing out of Sims right now. I'm, I'm very excited to see where he goes uh, on the other side of that. I thought that Hartenstein was a little disappointing in this game, like fouled a lot and just otherwise felt pretty invisible on the court. So it was a really good thing that Sims did do what he did. And then also the Tibbs decided to go to a little bit of Randall and Toppin in the second half, which I thought was a great move too. I think it kind of did exactly what it was supposed to, which kind of caught the nuggets off guard a little bit uh, and allowed the Knicks to do some good stuff there. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was a great curveball. Yeah. Um, but with, with that, uh, we will wrap up this edition of the Locked on Knicks podcast. Stay tuned tomorrow. We will have some draft content for you guys. That'll be a lot of fun. So until next time, for Alex, I'm Gavin. Talk to you soon on Locked on Knicks. Peace out.